What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of First Pitch 305. I'm your host, Alex Aguirre. And guys, I've been looking forward to this episode for a very, very long time now. Probably about a month I've been I've been trying to coordinate this, and I'm so glad we're doing this. The day has finally come. Joining me for this episode, he's back on it with me, the voice of Lemon City Live, Edwin Garcia. And, all, and our guest for today, for episode four of First Pitch 305, is a fellow explorer, mm. Christopher Columbus, uh, a high school alumni. Yes, throwing up the seas. Let's uh, let's welcome Abel Sanchez, class of 1990. Welcome to the to the show, Abel. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, guys. Hey, and you didn't mention my high school. I mean, I went to Braddock. It wasn't as cool as Columbus. It's right down the street but, from know. me. It's right down the, and, and I oh, slept there as well. <laughs> Bulldogs. Yeah, man. I'm a bulldog. You know. Not as cool as you guys, obviously. I mean, no, but hey. <laughs> we're, all, we're all under the big umbrella of Miami. Yeah. Exactly. At the end of the day. That's end of the up. day. Yep. And speaking of Miami, you can follow, because at the end of the day, we're here for Abel and his account. His amazing, amazing account called oh, my, nice. at Miami Stadium. You can follow him on Instagram. We're going to dive into all of that, you know, for yes. this episode um, and what it provides, how much you can learn from his account as well. Um, talking personally, because, you know, I love this city. I love the sports that it provides and the entertainment it provides. But, you know, it's Miami is it, it seems like a young city. And when it people is. live here, it's a young city. But then if you unravel and like, take off the layers of my of Miami, there's a lot of history behind it that people don't yeah. know much about. And, you know, and like what I when, when I listen to your episode with our former teacher, uh, Mr. Linsky, um, yeah. you, he made a great you guys made a great point that Miami it builds things and crumbles and then knocks things out and builds things over again. And then when I think of uh, that concept, I think of other cities, you know, with a lot of history as well, like New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, um, even, you know, Los Angeles, that they preserve. That's, I think, the key word that we're looking for here in, right. in, this, in this city is how much are we going to preserve of our, of our history? <laughs> yeah, not much, apparently, man. Not much. And we're getting, no. you're going to get into that, you know, like some of the venues like Miami Stadium, the right. Orange Bowl, you know, places like that, venues like that. It's 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 a shame. But, you know, I want to get into first, you know, um, talking about like baseball in Miami. But before 1993, we all know that baseball started in my uh, professional baseball, I guess we think that started in 1993 with the Florida Marlins. But Abel, with your account. And what you've been, with what you've been able to provide in terms, and just through photos and like with the descriptions, you like you teach so much about what happened before that. And let's talk about Appreciate that a bit. It. You know, let's talk about well, um, the original Miami Marlins. Mm. You know, and the, you know the one name that, that pops out for me is Satchel Paige. So, Abel, talk to us about what like before the you know the Miami Marlins, the, the the current Miami Marlins, I guess. Yeah, man. You know, it's amazing how many people still don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, because they write me all the time and Edwin knows and guys will hit me up like I had no idea the Marlins name existed before 1993. Mm -hmm. and it was it was born in 1956 and it was mm -hmm. born at Miami Stadium. It was a franchise in Syracuse that ended up moving down and they joined the International League. 
And we had even before that, we had the Miami Sun Sox. Wow. The Miami Tourists, Miami Sun Sox in the 40s. That kind of morphed eventually till finally in 1956, we had the Marlins that were mm-hmm. born at Miami Stadium in Alapata with Bill Veck. And he brought in Satchel Paige on a helicopter on opening night. <laughs> wow. The guy damn near died. They almost hit a power cable coming in. Logistics. <laughs> Logistics. Yeah, can you imagine now sitting in a, in a room like mm-hmm. trying to present that idea, like we're going to fly a chopper into a ballpark and infield <laughs> dirt is flying everywhere. And people mm-hmm. are fleeing yeah. and infielders are fleeing. This happened, bro, like in 1956 in April. So that's when the Marlins were born down here. So it was and you said it was uh, Bill Veck. It was Bill Veck. He was one what? of the guys that was brought on board to run the team. Wasn't he responsible for like disco demolition night and all that stuff? That wow. was the same Bill Veck that later did disco <laughs> demolition with the White Sox. Wow, was that dude! Yes, wow. That, yeah. So he, he well, the guy he was an like innovator disco? for sure. Is it like disco or something? <laughs> Apparently not. That that mm. got kind of out of control. Edwin knows. You can see on his face that was a total yeah, mayhem that night, dude. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to look that one up, Alex. If you don't know I mean, about it, it's uh, it was quite a <laughs> like a whole <laughs> basically like uh, Woodstock just happened on the field bonfire yeah. everything Gosh. and it was not according to plan you know <laughs> no they set vinyl on fire yeah in the middle of the outfield and everybody rushed the field they had to cancel the game and this was oh, the guy man. who helped launch the marlins so yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> it comes full circle there you go That's uh, but let's so let's talk a little bit more more about miami stadium and what it provided other than baseball and like thanks to your account awesome. i was able to find out that Miami Stadium, it hosts it it was also a soccer uh had a soccer field in it and it hosted the Little yes. Haiti Soccer League. It had <laughs> MLB spring training. High school and college baseball games were hosted there. Boxing yes. matches, rodeos, the Harlem Globetrotters were you know, you know performed there as well and more. There was more. You know, that, I, I said a lot, but there's plenty of more that that Miami Stadium <laughs> had to offer. It was dude, it was like ground zero because mm-hmm. they kind of these guys kind of had it figured out. Miami Stadium Inc, which was Jose Aleman who signed the check, as they say. He built it. His right-hand man was Harry B. Tabor, who was a local guy tied into real estate and business. So Harry mm-hmm. was the guy that kind of helped put it together in that group. They were visionary, man. Like whether it was allowing everybody in from white fans to colored fans, as they say back in the day, everybody was welcome from day one. Wow. And they knew it had to be a year-round destination to try mm-hmm. to make some bread. That's so it's true. like they had minor league ball. They had spring training ball with the Brooklyn Dodgers at first. Mm. And then the Marlins came in. So what else can we do? Roller derby. (laughs) They had roller derby, dude. Professional boxing matches, like from Sugar Ray Robinson to Joe Lewis. Wow. Kid Gavilan fought at Miami Stadium. Rodeos, all kinds of shows, local youth leagues. You know, all this stuff that they could do. Whatever they can get in there, rallies, anything, they would do it. And it seems like, you know, such a normal concept now, but like I, right. like you said, it's groundbreaking. I think what they were doing there, because let's, let's put in perspective to the FTX arena, you know, when the heat are not playing there, they always have concerts and the circuit, like Ringling Brothers would yes. go there and they have all types of stuff that'll be hosted there. So I, yeah, they were definitely onto something, especially in a city like Miami with the diversity and how, and, how, and like what it had to offer. That's that between the locals and the tourists. And that's the other thing you mentioned, the Globetrotters, they had the Globetrotters, they set up a court. Like by the infield, they brought a portable <laughs> court, and the crazy thing is, it rained that day. <laughs> that day, dude. That's, and that's how you know it's Miami. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These guys went out there and they balled out in the rain. You got to okay, put on the so show. 
that's got to go on. I mm-hmm. mean, you had rodeos, like I said, all these different events that went on there. You haven't even mentioned the concerts. I mean, because all right, yeah. first off, if it hasn't been mentioned, I don't know if it has or not. No. Um, on Instagram at Miami Stadium, like just uh. just pause the show right now. Go follow. <laughs> go once you follow, play, play again. Um, mm. But it's uh, first off, I, I don't even remember how I got exposed to your account. It's been a few years now. Right. But the stuff that uh, I've seen you first, I, I don't know how you find the trove <laughs> of information that you do, your archive, how big it must be and like how you. It's a it's, vault, man. Yeah. Because you, <laughs> you don't even put out just like one a day because you could easily just put one thing a day and you'd have so much content. But you, you put out quite a bit every day, you know, and yeah. it's just impressive. But we're talking about all these different events. And one of the stuff that comes to mind is how many concerts have yeah. been there. Yeah. And I forget like the because. Fleetwood Mac, Jimi Hendrix, yes, Jimi Hendrix played there. You know what I mean? Like Dude, all, everybody who's anybody has played there. It started in the fifties. They had like some kind of shows and kind of like those old kind of sock hop type shows almost. And then by the late sixties, it graduated into James Brown, Cream, on the farewell tour with Clapton. Wow! And then by the seventies, it just exploded. And that's when you started getting Fleetwood Mac, uh, the Eagles, yeah. you know all these different groups that just, it seemed like one after the other, man, the who played there yeah. in seven, one of their best concerts ever in 76. And then all the way up through Aerosmith and beastie boys into the seventies and eighties, there were a lot of shows at that, at that stadium, man. It was crazy. And they get like 20, 25,000 people gen ad and just pack them in there. And mm-hmm. I, and you mentioned that the, that boom that happened in the seventies, I feel like maybe, you know, Miami Stadium had a big, you know, role in that in terms of the the previous concerts that were held there. But I think Miami in general as a city was a hotspot prior to the 70s. You know, the Beatles in yes. Miami Beach, um, Frank Sinatra, you know, he was always at the Fountain Blue. Always. You know, so, you know, I just feel like, yeah, sports was a huge deal back then. But also it was just a cultural hotspot wherever, mm-hmm. any part of the city. It was. And there was only you got to remember, there was like basically the Dolphins came in 66 yeah, mm-hmm. so that was really the first real like pro. So what we had was just minor league ball and spring training. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much else till eventually we had the hurricanes, obviously. But then as far as professional sports, the heat was still a long ways away. The Panthers were still a long ways. So it's like the you know the Finns were sixty six. So up until then, Miami Stadium was was huge. That's where all the stuff and all the events would go down. Probably ninety five percent of it was in Alapata, the circus. Like you said, Ringling Brothers, mm-hmm. they had the circus there. Like everything. Now, yeah, well, I got to ask you because, look, I grew up uh, in Alapad originally. Um, nice. Here's the thing, though, man. I, as much of a baseball fan as I was, I had cheap ass parents. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be 100% honest with you. I yeah. didn't even know that I had a baseball stadium. Okay. No that oh, was man. nearby where I lived up until the stadium, like, was pretty much not, not gone yet, but it was, you know, out of commission. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So as a, as a young, young kid growing up in the 80s, I idolized Dale Murphy. We've had this discussion before. Yes. You know how I feel about the guy. So I didn't know that he was playing, you know, that he would come here every year Dude, to every do spring training. Spring. Yes. yes. And that yeah. I could have been seeing. Right. So I, I have a beef to, to that, that I've carried with my folks <laughs> ever since then. But um, but let me ask you, though, uh, tell the people, how did you come across this? Because I grew up there. I didn't know that it was there. I have some vague, vague memories of like auxiliary events happening there. Like I do remember seeing right. a ballpark. But I never remembered like going to it. I, what I do remember is I lived right next to the Orange Bowl, so that's the one thing that was, oh, you know, okay. 
I could see every day and it right. was just a, it was a pillar. It was a big thing. So how did you come across? Like, I know, I know your story, but tell people like what it was that you did and what connected you to Miami stadium and how did you get your start? And then where your love for the stadium and baseball bloomed here? Because your story is quite interesting. Oh man, it, it was all there. That That's the question, right? Is, is how the hell did, did that happen? I mean, I, my family moved down from New York probably like in 78. So I was a little jit. I was like five years old, five or six. And we moved to Coral Gate. And I had a neighbor who had relatives from Baltimore. So they come down one spring. And this is right after the Orioles won the World Series in 83. Yeah. I'd already kind of been getting into baseball, you know, a couple years before then. Baseball bunch, World Series, you know, Yankees, Dodgers, 81. That's where I really started my earliest memories. Okay. These folks come down and they're like, hey, let's go see the Orioles, you know, train. I didn't know spring training. I didn't know there was baseball Miami. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I just <laughs> saw these guys on TV win the World Series. And they were like, just whatever, get in the car, you know? <laughs> Pile to the car, go to Alapata, and pull up and see that iconic facade, dude. And it was the same thing as walking up to the Orange Bowl. You know, you're looking up at that. It looks ginormous. Yeah. And I told Linsky this. I said, we go in, and it was a practice session. So you didn't, you didn't have to pay. Practices wow. are free. This was before metal detectors, bro. You just park and go yeah. in. Yeah. So park and go in, see the field. First time I saw live professional players. Wow. And within 10, 15 minutes, Rick Dempsey came over and handed me his batting glove, which he had <laughs> under his catcher's mitt. And that was it. Fourth wall broken. And it's like, boom, hooked, done, ruined for life, bro. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> It, that you know it, it was one of those moments where the light bulb went off everything kind of went off and i was like yo i love this like it was just seeing them in person and being able to you know chop it up with the players and eventually you know went back home and you know telling the moms and the family y'all need to take i need to go back here <laughs> and you know how it is like a la pata was rough back then it was literally yeah. it was like the tracks was like what and people be telling you no Dude, I was on 18th and 19th Terrace. Oh, that's dude. So, I wasn't far yeah. away from it, man. No, I could walk to it. Yeah. You yeah. could walk and you didn't. It's crazy. It was you had all these guys in your backyard from Dale oh, Murphy oh, to Ricky Henderson, oh. Mattingly, all these dudes in their prime. I'm all these you, man. teams coming, bro. One of my biggest disappointments in life, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get some online therapy. You could probably go to some websites. Oh, I'm, do I'm doing it. I'm doing it now, man. Just, well, you're making that. up for lost horrible. time now collecting all that baseball merchandise. Like, oh, man. Now, yeah. yeah. You know, now I'm being fortunate to, to go to Marlins games and, and work in baseball and do the stuff that we've been doing with Lemon City has been, you That's know, awesome. has been great for us and yeah. as to satisfy that. But still, the little kid inside of me that, of course. you know, because it's also... As Abel knows, I'm sure after because I know you worked with the Marlins too for, for yeah. some time afterwards. You know, when you're a kid, the baseball players, man, they're they're heroes, they're, oh, they're giants, you know. Oh, as you get older, you know, they start looking more you, you start seeing the other side of it, you know, the business side of it and everything. So right. you still appreciate it, but that that allure, that love, you know, it's just it's not as much as it was, man. And man, yeah. and let me tell you, little Edwin in, in the eighties, man, oh, he, he was loving that stuff, Dude, man. you would have was... eaten that up. Oh, because I, yeah. I'm telling you, to be – and Miami Stadium was so intimate. 
Yeah. It wasn't a bad seat in the house. It held like just barely 10,000 people max mm, okay. a little bit more when they would open the doors and, you know, fourth or fifth inning and they would let the hood in, <laughs> you know, and you see all the viejos, the cigar chompers on the sides. And, you know, it was, that's how I ended up being a bat boy is just yeah. sneaking in. I used to kind of had my little, you know, sneak into the garage door <laughs> where they bring the concessions. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you little shit, what are you doing? Like, who are you with? I'm like, nobody. <laughs> they thought I was somebody's kid, so nobody no, would, you know. Out. You're tranquilo. And the, the trainer, or excuse me, the clubhouse manager, mm-hmm. who uh, equipment man, Fred Tyler, who's still with the Orioles. Wow. Him and his brother Jimmy. I saw him about five, six years ago when the O's came to Marlins Park for the first time. We kind of had a nice little full circle reunion there. That's amazing. And he literally grabbed me like, okay, if you're going to be here this early, <laughs> like let's go you gotta earn your keep and drag me in willy wonka style straight hmm. down the tunnel slap the jersey on me kind of for me what i gotta do between innings with the pine tar and the donut this wow and so every spring from 84 to 90 i do a few games each spring and then the rest of the time i'm just a mammy stadium rat hanging out everybody oh, kind of got to know me so it was nice man yeah. You're soaking it all in, and I've been talking oh. about talking about breaking the fourth wall. There's the, like you're a bat boy. Yeah, you're, you're you're there, dude. I'm there taking lineup cards to like Billy Martin, scared shitless that this guy, you know, Billy Martin, my God, Billy Martin and these guys and Frank Robinson and Ripken wow. Senior, and so that was the education, bro. Growing up around these guys, I've been around the game my whole life. I was raised by it. So yeah. I want to like sidetrack a little bit because you're talking about that era in baseball, and so you know, Abel and Ed- Edwin, you guys grew up. 80s and the 90s yeah. uh, for and for baseball. So let's talk about the decade of the 80s. I feel like, you know, people gloss over that decade a lot in terms of baseball because the 90s is, you know, you know, the home run and the steroid era comes into place. Yep. Exactly. Yes. So and then the 70s was, you know, I guess like a, a lot of pitching, the dominance of pitching during that decade. So the 80s, I feel like it's glossed over a bit. But I want to talk to you guys who, who in the 80s, who was your favorite player to watch? Ooh, that's a great. I always start with Ricky Henderson. Okay. That's a great one, man. Because he was just the package, bro. He was like a tailback trapped in the body of, of a ball player, if that makes any sense. And yeah, R- Ricky, I saw him because the Yankees was the closest neighbor to Miami Stadium, was the Yankees in Fort Lod, and then Edwin's boy Murphy and the Braves with mm-hmm. the Expos in West Palm. Yep. That's why we would see those guys a lot. The Rangers okay. were in Pompano for a little bit. So we had a lot of teams kind of on these side. And Ricky was the one that I mean, just a total package. Mattingly, of course, was a stud back then. Yeah. Yeah. Before the back went out, Donnie was as good as anybody, and Murphy was winning MVP. So, I mean, right there, those are three guys that are. Uh, yeah. I mean, shot. for me, it was Murph. Uh, your Ricky Henderson one is great. I actually, yeah. um, I met Ricky in when the All Star game was here uh, a few years ago. Went nice. to an event for, with Lemon City, went to an event. Uh, Winfield was there, Strawberry, Chef, yes. Dawson, and Ricky was there, and mm-hmm. Jerry Manuel, Jerry Manuel, oh and wow, his, and his son Lorenzo, the guy who does the, the the fashion, the Fear of God. It was like a it was a fashion thing that they were doing, and Sweet. he was and he was having them all there. Anyway, uh, we're asking, we're getting, we're able to talk to some of the guys, and we're like, hey, can we talk to Ricky? And the reps like, hey, look, Ricky's just here to be Ricky. Like you, you could talk to him, but you can't interview him. He's just, he's not here to do that stuff. And I was like, what? And they're just like, just trust me. Like, just, if you want to talk to Hawk, you can talk to Hawk, you can talk <laughs> to Chef, which we did. And they were great, you know? Right. But they, they, they gave us this fair warning with Riggy. And then when I started talking, I'm like, okay, I still see why. Because he, <laughs> that guy is still in that character. Like, he is, 
he he just man he just knows you know what i mean like it's he's ricky's just, ricky it's a weird yeah. thing man uh yeah. Har- you know the harold reynolds story about when uh ricky got injured and harold reynolds won the, the stolen base title he called them or something stories like <laughs> called them up he's like 60 60 ricky would have had 60 at the break and he hung up on him and it's true yes like he, that guy was such a g people Help. say he was mm-hmm. arrogant no nah, man no. it's just it was that oakland thing he was yeah. swaggy you know he would i always say nobody pimped a homer cleaner than that guy he would pop the collie round the base and take oh, yeah. ahead of his time yeah and nobody beamed him it's like it was just like he got a pass because it was ricky yeah. He's ahead of his time. He would have fit in today. That dude today. With social media. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Ricky, Ricky Rally and Ricky being Ricky referred to oh. himself in the third person. You know, yeah. You hear stories about him walking around the dugout and he's like, he after striking out, he's like, I don't know who's in Ricky's body, but he need to get out of Ricky's body. And they're like, this guy's talking to himself. Like, just leave him alone, man. He's doing his thing. You know? no. Yeah. If he's if he's performing like that, just let him do it. Just let, let him, him do, do it. Hey, man, mm-hmm. more runs than anybody in history, bro. Yeah, no, I, I Ricky's guess... Ricky's a G for real. And and, and to, to answer your question, Alex, oh, yeah, yeah. to me, it's still Dale Murphy. I mean, yeah, wow. I, I grew up, like I said, it was a weird thing, but there were some other guys that I did like watching. And now that you mentioned, I forgot that the Expos were down here so close, too, because for some reason I had this weird, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fascination with the Expos growing up, too, which I was like, Man, now, I'm, now I'm extra mad. I got to go to therapy. The uniforms. That really yeah. nice. Like, the oh. uniforms were kind of cool back then. <laughs> like the Expos, and that yeah. team, it was always fun when they came down, because beginning with uh, Gary Carter, who later came out the mess, that's one of, like, the, the best he ever. As well. Gary was, for me, right up there. And, you know, then they had Hubie Brooks and Dennis Martinez was with them. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. had squads, man. Tim Raines. El Presidente, Raines. man. No, yeah. they were they were great. And actually, great. I, I went to Montreal. I never saw the Expos um, at that time. I did see them play, obviously, when the Marlins uh, came around in, in mm-hmm. the early right. 90s. But I went to Montreal a few years ago for spring break, of all things. I mean, <laughs> who goes to Canada for spring break? But I was like, hey, the flights are you cheap. Do. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Flights are cheap. I was like, I'll go check it out. And uh, I actually caught a soccer game at Olympic Stadium, which was cool. You nice. know, so to, to see that that stadium, you know, man, yeah, that stadium was a dump, though. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, but, it's but huge. Was, yeah, massive. But the really cool thing that I did see is in Montreal, there's still such a big love for the Expos. Yeah. I've to heard. this day, like you go there, um, the 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 sporting uh, good stores all have Expos merch still. Oh man! You go around to um, even, and the coolest thing that I saw there at the Bell Center, which is where the Montreal Canadiens play. Mind you, that's oh. like you know the Celtics. They got they got they got uh, banners on banners on banners everywhere in the ceiling, right? But they actually have one in a powdered blue color of all the Expos numbers that were retired. Mm. So they still respect and honor the Expos, even though it's another sport and everything. But that's how wow. people feel about it. So. Yeah, man, that's, I didn't know that. That's yeah, kind of like Pat Riley retiring Michael Jordan's number. And yeah, that was like, yeah, right. <laughs> but a little, it makes a little more sense than that one, you know. But absolutely, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, Dale Murph. I mean, God, there was a lot of guys in the '80s that I did like. How too, about man. some pitchers? Because you guys are mentioning a lot of hitters, and that's my, pitching my that's my that's my that's my favorite position. I well, the one name that comes to mind is is Doc. Well, I was gonna say you, yeah. you yanked it out of my mouth. It was good in that '84. I think '85 season was just. Yeah, insane mm-hmm. you know, and doesn't get talked stuff. about enough man i think people yeah. because of everything that happened to him afterwards mm-hmm. yeah we forget how dominant like there hasn't been 
a such a dominant season by a pitcher it because it, it was in all aspects i mean he had the triple crown and the yeah. way in which he did it it was just amazing like he was just it's just dominance man and he was what 19 dude 18? he was yeah barely it, out of high school yeah, 19 a year out of high school like that not even yeah like he was crazy man yeah he spent like 30 seconds in the minors and they brought him up and he had he got he was blessed. He had Carter behind the plate. So you got this OG experienced veteran, one mm-hmm. of the greatest ever, this young kid, and it was just explosive. No, that, uh, that guy Hernandez, was, you know. Oh Hernandez, team, yeah. another one. Love yeah. that. I love Keith. You know? Yeah, no, uh, but yeah, the 80s Cardinals. I feel like it was, a, was it the 80s Cardinals with like all those stolen bases and they have uh, Willie McGee and uh, like Great you spot. know, yeah. So eighties was a fun electric time that thing kind of like ushered in the nineties when I think baseball just kind of skyrocket in terms of uh, popularity in terms of like viewership and things like that from a cultural perspective but let's uh moving away more into what's going on right now in baseball in miami let's talk about the current state of the marlins and i want to get into the aspect of attendance and you know Mm. there is this deep i know it like i feel it all the time (laughs) there's this deep passion for baseball here in miami you know, like, like just just along with the Cuban market, but like even without the Cuban market, there's still a humongous love for baseball here. The yeah. Cuban market just enhances that. But, but then, why doesn't it? Do you think it transfer over to a sporting <sighs> venue, brother? That that's been the question forever. I think probably since Miami was incorporated in 1896 or whatever, dude. We've been like, on paper, it looks like such a lock. Of mm-hmm. a baseball town, in theory, you would think even back they were saying it. Miami Stadium was built with expansion in mind to take mm-hmm. it from ten thousand plus. They had bleachers that would do fourteen, fifteen, sixteen to twenty five thousand, which is actually a perfect size for Miami if you think about it. Yeah, and because they always had their eyes on, we are a major league town. But I've gone back and I look at the numbers, and even from spring training, hundred plus years to the wow. nineteen. 12s and 13s when the first major league teams were coming down here philadelphia athletics and all that (laughs) shit going up to the minors and then for some reason of course when it starts everybody comes it's an event and then of course it tapers off and it's been the same thing the marlins have been seeing for the last 30 years and that's just the the mystery of life is why miami was such a you know wonderful mix that we have down here why is it that we're still basically last in MLB in attendance yeah. year in and year out. And this new regime has made nice changes to the park and they've done all these tweaks and, you know, cool shit they're trying, but yeah, it, it just does not translate. Yeah. It's strange because like you have, like you said, on paper, it's a lock. Mm-hmm. It makes it's sense. We should yeah. be, this should, this should be a no brainer. Everything should work. But yeah, the only, even when we were, successful on the field like it didn't mm-hmm. translate immediately you know mm-hmm. it took time obviously playoffs people are going to show up for that you know but even 97 like later in the season you know the attendance wasn't that great 2003 no. people weren't showing up you know so it's i let me ask you though it, was it the same way back in the day at miami stadium like during spring training was it always oh. is it just Dude, you know, always, always. There's certain teams that would draw, and it always, and it would feel like that when I work with the Marlins. A Mets game felt like a home game for them. Yeah. A Yankees yeah, game, it's let's go Yankees for nine innings. It's yeah. like it's a home game on the road. People almost come out to see the visiting team, and it was the same thing with the Miami Marlins, who then became the Miami Orioles, and then reverted back to the Miami Marlins. And the Orioles, the Orioles should have been gone by 1980. It's a miracle we had them for those ten extra years that they were down here, dude. 
1980 was a hot year. You know, a lot went down and they were thinking about talking about leaving for years because the attendance, you, I would be sitting there in games. There's, you know, 500 people, 700,000 people in the stands scattered. So it was always even going back to that, you would see that. And then later at Joe Robbie and even at this, this ballpark's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. ballpark. It's an architectural gem. I know I've been through every inch. That park's amazing. The roof alone is an art. But it just doesn't translate. I was telling Linsky, Miami's an event town. How exactly. do you sustain an event strategy over 81 nights? Yeah. Six months, 81 home games, 81. How do you know? Playoffs, sure, everybody shows up. World Series, oh, dude, yeah, sellout. Yeah, but yeah, you said eighty-one games. Though. I mean, look, the Dolphins. This is a this is a football town. As much as you know, we want to fight about it. It's sixty-six, like you said. Dolphins got the head start on everybody over here, so they've yep. had generation after generation of of yes. uh, of Dolphin fans. But we're talking eight games a year. What? Not ten games if you count two preseason games. You exactly. know, exactly. That's it. Same ten times. That's 80, it. 81, 81 nights of the longest sport. You know, where it can run three, four hours, sometimes five hours. It's just it's a it's a hard ask, man. And we don't have the the history like that. No. You know, maybe if we had been around since, you know, some of these original OG teams, you know, because we you know, like like as you've learned from the Miami yeah. Stadium IG account <laughs> that we've we've had all the greats over here, man. Like that that plaque that you uh, oh, that bro. you were able to put together at the side of the stadium. Um, that names everybody and, and, you know, just brings like if, if you don't know, you able set a went out and got a, what is it, a historical marker. Or what do you call that? A yeah, historical? I did that GoFundMe to get a state marker. Yeah. And two sided and just drew up, you know, as much as I could pack in there. And my research showed that like around 150 Hall of Famers stepped foot and the Hall of Fame only has about 330, 340 guys total. Yeah. So yeah. that's like 40 something percent of the Hall of Fame. And it stopped in 1990. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we caught some of those guys at the end, like Biggio and Glavin and those guys yeah. that were coming up. So all of that. And it is mad history, dude. Yeah. And yet it doesn't, you know, I think the teardowns had a lot to do with it, too. I think the Orange Bowl being torn down. A lot of people think the OB was torn down for the Marlins. It wasn't. Uh, the Canes, you know, Finns left, Canes left to Joe Robbie, because yes, we still call it Joe Robbie. <laughs> and then the Marlins took advantage of that. But there's mm. that stigma, the deal, of course, and, you know, so on yeah. and so forth, the two teardowns. And I think people don't forget that down here, dude. Yeah, it, it, it takes yeah. it takes time. I mean, if you do want to forget it, it's just going to take a long time. But man, but going back to what you were saying there about the hundred and and 50 so odd <laughs> hall of fame members man dude it's insane like i yeah. when i i was having on the lemon city uh on lemon city live we were talking about it once because you know gus and achilles who i do the show with they're they're, they're baseball fans but they're not like yeah. you know his, historical fans they don't know that and you know they they had no idea that like babe ruth had played down here you know what i'm saying that we oh, have yeah. walked in the same like the the grace the the luke eric's the the fact that jimmy uh jimmy fox is buried down here and everything you know like he had a whole yeah. the rest of his like wow. unbelievable all the the number of 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 greats that have graced us but unfortunately there's nothing left man and it goes yeah. back to what we said at the very beginning miami's is uh build it up tear it down build it up tear it down city you know we don't keep any of our history we we tear it down and you know, put something bigger, better on top of it until that becomes, you know, old. And then we do it over again. And don't even mark what was there. 
Yeah. That's what got exactly. me about Miami Stadium. And I went when it was being demolished and I got photos right before and I snuck in and, you know, got that that homeless dude to take the picture of me in front of the that's on my shirt. <laughs> you know, and thank God. I was like, please don't run off with the camera. I gave him a few bucks. I go, Mira, Benaki, here's here's a few bucks. You take this. I lined them up. I go, brother, you take this. I'm going to walk you over to the market, buy you a beer or whatever, man. Nice. And, and the homie did it. Hey, he did a good job, too. He did a good job. Thank <laughs> God. You know, thankfully. So it's like, yeah, man, you, you look at all that, the insane history and the Hall of Famers and, and all this. And, you know, they tore it down. They didn't even mark home plate. It was the worst teardown, too, guys. Oh. It wasn't like some pretty little implosion. It was like the wrecking ball and cranes and oh. taking chunks out of it. And Damn, it couldn't have been more savage. And they didn't do anything. And it's like, how do you not at least put something yeah. there and I just wipe it away no, no something that was like one of it's one of one of it one of a kind abel let me ask you what do you have from the stadium though what'd you keep i know you kept something oh yo dude yeah i went <laughs> and i know well i know guys what i got is a few i know guys who have turnstiles and shit dude oh, and oh, the outfield wall i <laughs> swear to god and the art my boy rolando from civica has the mm -hmm. old murals that wow. were on, when you came in so there is dude there's some good stuff out there i just i kept it simple i got a, a chair back and uh, a little chunk, and then I got a piece of the original tile from the clubhouse, the orange tile, ah. because I go, that was from inside, so I have a nice little piece of that. Nice, nice. Yeah. So you got to always take something. I, I always do that. I was in the I was in the Navy, right? And we were at the Coliseum, right? Oh, we were on a, on a port call. So I'm in the Coliseum, and I'm looking around, and I'm kind of soaking in the moment, and I look down, and I see these, like, like a broken little brick, and I see these, like, two little pieces, and I take them out, and I put it in my pocket. I was like, all right, I'm going to take a little piece of the Coliseum with me, right? I get back to the ship and I, I'm telling, you know, my shipmates, I'm like, hey, look what I got, man. And my friend's like, oh, I was I should have done that. I wish I would have thought of that. And my friend's right. like, oh, man, that's nothing, man. I took the whole brick. Oh. <laughs> I took the whole brick out there. <laughs> Guy was just like, hey, you know what, man? Yeah, this that's, is coming that's, home, dude. That's your boy with the turnstile. You know what I mean? You dude. see, I was I was with you with the tile, but the turnstile, that's a little much. No, but hey, <laughs> send me a picture. It looks like a garage sale, bro. <laughs> Third styles, I'm like, is that a, a bulb? Yeah, it's like one of the bulbs from the 140 feet light towers. Jesus. Wow. A chunk, I see a blue chunk. I'm like, yo, is that the outfield wall? Yeah, yeah, I got a chunk of the outfield. I'm like, how did you carry this shit, bro? And mm -hmm. sleep and everything. And I, that's what it meant. Dennis Martinez told me he went by for like 20, wow. 30 minutes to pay his respects. Wow, bro. So that's how much it meant to people that even Dennis, because he came up with the Miami Orioles mm -hmm. through yeah. Miami Stadium. And then when, once he made the big league team, spring training every year. Yeah. And then he would come back with the Expos. So he has deep history with Miami. He told me that he went by when it was being demoed to kind of – pay his respects one last salute yeah yeah Dude, dennis is awesome man that was oh, my first beautiful yeah that was my first ever um interview question was dennis martinez in 1995 as a middle schooler <laughs> no way. he came to he came to ruben dario to talk to us because it was awesome. nicaraguan you know so he yes. came to talk to all the nicaraguan kids there but i happened to be there and i asked him who was the scariest person that he faced in the world in the braves lineup that year and he told me it was ryan klesko was this no guy way. who scared him the most. And they won lineup. the World Series that year in 95. Yeah, yes, the Braves. Braves won the World Series. That was my first ever interview question. That's <laughs> awesome, man. El Presidente. El Presidente. I saw him at, at the All-Star Game festivities too, man, and he was super cool. Gus, who's Nicaraguan, that's like his favorite player. I mean, you know, for the obvious there, but he's, he's a great, great guy, man. It's funny you mentioned that. You know how he got to that? I'll tell you a cool story. I was. It's funny because I was concierging mm -hmm. with the Marlins, but, you know, 
they didn't know what they were getting, dude. Like they put me in there, and next thing you know, ball players are like, "Why are ball players asking for for this? You know, for the homie? You know, like because they know, right? Yeah. So I'm taking care of Dennis, and I saw him, and his son went to Columbus, so he would be out there throwing batting practice to the team at Columbus, bro. Wow. And I mean, after BP for you to hit, he would buckle down and go get your batting helmet and you know bring yeah. it to these kids and so we're talking he's like give me your number one thing leads to another we're in contact and he hits me up he says dude i haven't heard from anybody for the all-star game i don't know what happened and it's because they had his old number oh they no. couldn't reach so i go to my guy juan martinez at events i go hey juani you know dennis hit me up he's like dude we've been trying to hit this guy up for weeks and i go hang on and i pull up the number like, <laughs> and they're like what the hell dude i go yeah i just talked to him the other day hit him up and <laughs> that's how dennis ended up being because i just happened to have his number and they had his old numbers oh, dude. wow then i gotta tell gus to send you a thank you message he <laughs> took a he took a picture with dennis and got him to sign a baseball card and everything for him he was all happy oh, as hell, he, so. dennis, dennis is special there's cool people there's great people but then there's like special people and dennis is like dennis is like 18 year mccallan Wow. Yeah. yeah well, it, it's well, always good to like have like the, have those type of figures or those base or the athletes in your life because what Edwin mentioned earlier, it brings no matter how old you are, it'll bring that little kid out of you. I'm sure Gus, when he got that Dennis Martinez uh, autograph, right. it brought him, you know, it made him feel like a little kid in a candy store, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it, it, that's the impact that athletes could have, especially like, you know, players in the Marlins, for example, that can, they can, make, they can make that impact to the city Definitely. in Miami, you know, and that's something that I feel like we, I kind of have lost touch with that in terms of like the athlete to fan relationship and that that type of you know i guess yeah um you know contact you know like like i don't you don't hear that much anymore like players like dennis martinez you know like that type of involvement in the community i feel like it's more forced now like or like when the cameras are on they'll do something about it i don't i feel like there's like there's a more of a barrier now between like like talking going up and getting batting gloves from a player i feel like you have to go through so much so many obstacles for that now and like for you when you're a little kid you just walk into a to a stadium and bam it's right there so i feel like we've lost touch of that yeah it was it was pure dr george you know paul george dr g shout out to to the legend we talk about it and he was going to miami stadium in the 50s and he sent me a picture of him with mickey mantle wow bro baby dr g like i call him standing there with the mick okay And we said we both were interviewed by the New Times and the lady, Maria, sweetheart, she goes, you both said the same thing. It was pure. It was pure back then. You could go in. You could hang out in the parking lot. There was no private parking lot. You could hang out by Cal Ripken's car. <laughs> and and the, the clubhouse door was literally like where the parking lot was. So you would hang out outside. You see people outside the clubhouse door and you go walk Wait, with a yeah. player to the car when the other visiting team would come in the Mets, the Yankees, whoever you could hang out by the buses or hang out by their locker room door where they would come out. You yeah. could climb on top of the dugouts and stick wow. your stuff, like kind of lean over the wow. dugout and hang. You do that. Now you probably get tasered, bro. Like it ain't <laughs> happening. Just barricade so everything. Barricade, yeah. you, you're on social media. You've gone viral yeah. and you're out of there. Yeah. Yeah, Cal, dude. Cal like, Ripken. Golly, I totally yes. forgot that you were, that he was just there, just hanging out. You know, no, just hanging out. You didn't have to go to the game. I saw people, the, those autograph hounds, would sometimes just hang out in the parking right. lot before and after games. They knew yeah. what car he drove, and they would just hang out. Wow. There was no security. There was no escort, dude. These guys were coming out like alone. Let me ask mm-hmm. you though. You mentioned yeah. uh, two questions here, two parter. You mentioned. Uh, the great guys, those McCallan, you know, yeah. years, your your Dennis Martinez. Who else comes up comes to mind when you Carter. think of guys like that? Gary's special. 
right off the bat, one of the, aside from being a stud, you know, Caballete, as they say, as a catcher, he's a goat, but that guy is a human being. Like, like, bro, I I can't even talk about Gary. Like I'll get choked up and shit. People always do though, because that's how special he was. He passed away so young. A guy that, that did everything right. And was such a leader on and off the field was remarkable. Play hard, play with passion. Oh, he was, he was like Ned Flanders off the field. Yeah, absolute <laughs> savage between the line. Like he would. That's a good way to say it. And he would become a monstro. And yeah. then after the game, it's yeah, high diddly ho neighbor and all this shit. <laughs> we are the guy with this massive perm, but that guy was like Maximus between the lines, bro. Mm-hmm. He he was that dude. He was a monster. And Ripken was another one, of course. Cal Ripken Jr. is Iron Man. Iron Man, gold, bro. On and off the field, his old man. Ripken is another one that's just very special. Tony Gwynn kind of comes to mind too. Another, oh, yeah. they're, they're, so the other part now. So okay, so you were around all these guys. They they would see you. They recognize you. See you in the dugout. You got to know them. Did you ever run into any of these guys like at Riviera Supermarket on you know in Alapata or something like that? Like that's the thing that I'm like I'm trying to picture. Like not only was Cal Ripken and all these greats hanging out in my old neighborhood, but were they shopping like for groceries in the same place as I was? Then maybe I crossed paths with them and I didn't even realize it, you know, like You're over at the Alapata market, you don't yes, even realize you know, it. like man, dude, I because I, I was always on I was on 17th Ave. That was, you know, that's yeah. that's the block where I was, and that's where we used to do our groceries and everything. So, like, I'm just thinking, like, man, because they were here for the whole for you know for a month of spring. Maybe they were hanging out there. Maybe this guy had to oh, go, you a know. Couple. A couple. They would rent places. Some of them would stay here down by me. I grew up in the gate. Some of them I know would rent like around the, Gr- the Granada golf course. Yeah. A lot of them stayed in Key Biscayne, actually. Okay. So mm-hmm. Ripken and those guys. And then, but for years, the DuPont Plaza in downtown is okay. where these guys would stay. And it was even announced, like, this is the spring home for the Orioles. So the majority of them would stay there. So I'm sure they were out and about. The Miami Stadium Market had a restaurant that was called like the Oriole restaurant or something. And a lot of, I know the minor leaguers and guys would just walk across the street and eat there, wow. you know? So yeah, they, they were around and, and I'm sure, you know, I got to ask Ripken if he ever had, you know, pan con lechon at Papo or something. Oh, I know, you know. But... <laughs> Probably look at me like, what? But you never know. I'm sure Dennis did. I know he likes those fritangas. So yeah. Yeah, that's see, that's that's the see, that's the juicy stuff we got to get to, bro. We got to follow up with that, man. Next time you talk to Dennis, you got to ask him straight up, man. Just I so- gotta ask him straight up. Be like, hey, brother, <laughs> what did you eat when you were coming up? Oh, I know. Sometimes like the lifers that were season ticket holders, and a season ticket back then was like 150 bucks or something, bro. They give you like the whole box. I swear to God, for like 150 dollars. And these guys, and those guys, I met some of them at Marlins Park. Mm-hmm. And we started talking and they would tell me that they would like when Eddie Murray was a jit coming up, they would take Eddie Murray to the house and feed him and shit. Wow. These guys weren't making any money, dude. Uh-huh. The bonuses and all that were nothing. So these kids are here starving and they're they're grinding. So it's like, yeah, we used to take Eddie Murray home and some of the players and, wow. and feed him. Wow. Yeah, bro. Um, Abel, I want to talk to you about um, outside of baseball, the con- like Miami um, being such a, I guess, an attractive town for events like the uh, the super bowl miami has hosted the yeah. like has hosted the most super bowls out of yes. all of the, all of the cities in in the country um and i think there's i think it's a great tool especially for the previous generations to hand off to the new the younger generations of like the different great players that would come to miami for the super bowl oh joe namath the guarantee yes that, that was here i was here that was here and and you know i didn't know that until a couple few years ago obviously i'm not as familiar oh. as, as into football 
But right. I didn't know that, like, all – like, I know about the guarantee and all that stuff. Like, he did it here. Like, the, the yeah. week leading up to the Super Bowl, hanging out in the hotel to all the, with all the media and the reporters. You know, Muhammad Ali would, would train here, you know, yeah, in, in Miami. And, like, it's, it's just the abundance of, oh, of, it's, of, it's absurd. You could do like a five-part documentary series on. Yeah. You know, I always say there should be a museum down here. The day that somebody, como dice, se le prende bombillo, and somebody builds a freaking sports museum down here, it could, dude, I could curate it straight off the dome. I'll give you a hundred years of just gems, like, like. I, I told you, you need to do that with either a walking right. tour or a driving tour or something, where you just take people around and show them all the places. Like, look, Babe Ruth used to hang out right here. <laughs> then from here, he hit it over there. Take him over to Dorsey Park because we haven't even gotten into like that. Oh, that aspect of it. All yeah. the history that you got over there, the, mm -hmm. where the Fifth Street gym used to be, and the fact that Muhammad Ali used to hang out there, and all the spots. Oh man, it's. It, it's ah, bananas, bro. Hey, it's out of control. Like Alex is saying, I, I could take you from Jimmy Fox and Babe Ruth. The earliest footage of Babe Ruth as a Yankee was here at the first base parking garage wow. at Marlins Park, which used to be Tatum Park. <laughs> Look at that. You see where you park, where a lot of people park, they don't know. That's where Babe Ruth and like, bro, the Walter Johnson and Jimmy oh, Fox, Rogers Hornsby balled out there, bro. Good like great. these are like immortal names, yes. right? Yeah. Alex God. talked about football. You talked about that game, the guarantee game with Namath. You know, that was against Shula, who was coaching mm -hmm. the Colts. You know where they practiced? At Miami Stadium. Wow. I have pictures of Joe Namath throwing spirals wow. at Miami Stadium because it was only a couple miles up the road from the Orange Bowl. Wow. The Dolphins practiced there their first few years before they finally went to St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, the football history is disgusting. The baseball history is like, you know, boxing, Ali. You could stop at Ali, but, you know, the Dundee Brothers Fifth Street Gym should have oh. been turned into a museum right there on Fifth and Washington. I posted mm -hmm. something about it the other day. Mm -hmm. And all the fighters that came down here from Sugar Ray Leonard to Roberto Duran, man, like yeah, these are man. like like legends, champions. So, yeah, every sport pretty much, man, you can run the gamut. Somebody should put a museum mm -hmm. together because it'd be sick. I know. I wanna, we, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Alex. I know we glossed over it real fast, but. Tell people where the stadium was, because I think we're, we're, we're talking like it's common knowledge, but maybe like there's people here that just don't even know. Like, uh, what was the actual address of Miami Stadium? Miami Stadium was uh, 2301 Northwest 10th Avenue. So it's literally it was right on the corner of Northwest 10th and 23rd. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Isla Pata, bro. Right. Like right across the tracks, literally. Yeah. So, yeah I was on 19th and 18th. Oh, I was 1873 dude. Northwest 19th Terrace. That's where I was at. Could have walked yeah, to it. You could walk to it easily. I walked everywhere else. Might as well. Good grief. Right? Yeah. yeah, man. Oh, so uh, Alex, you were you were gonna say something? Oh yeah, I was gonna get into like we were talking about football specifically with the guarantee yeah. and whatnot. Um, I want to get into and the, obviously the Super Bowl was taking place in the, in the Orange Bowl. Yes. Um, I want to talk to you and get your perspective on the impact that the Orange Bowl had to the to the community uh, to the community. I know the Hurricanes played there, but what? <laughs> give me the the whole package if you can. I know it's a very important and yeah. meaningful building. For, for generations of, of Miamians. So for you, from your perspective, what was the impact of that building? Oh, my God. I mean, I think beyond sports, to sum it up, the single most important structure in the history of wow. not just Miami, South Florida. How's that? Wow. Because it was just like people grew up there, brought everybody together, you know, and – Dude, as the city grew, the Orange Bowl grew. It expanded to kind of accommodate from 23,000 to 30-some thousand to 40, 50, finally to 80. <laughs> um, 
But how many firsts and people have memories of going there and whether with their dad or abuelo, tío, mom, family, whatever outings, and then later with your friends. It's just there was nothing like the OB. I was telling Linsky that place mm -hmm. shook. Yeah. That place vibrated, bro. Like people that. don't understand. It, yeah. It's 80,000 people. I remember they measured the decibel levels once, and it was the equivalent of like a jet taking off. It was like 100 plus decibels. It was deafening. Yeah, they yeah. literally did like studies on it. There was nothing else like it. My buddy loves telling the story. My buddy Mike was also mm -hmm. my attorney, old Columbus guy, that the first time he went, his uh, his dad, they stop outside and he's looking up and his father turns to me and goes, mijo, whatever you see in here, don't tell your mother. <laughs> that was the preference of, which is actually very good advice. Because um, we saw things in there from the bathrooms to that, you oh, know. the troughs? Yeah, yeah, the troughs and certain illicit activities that were going on. You know, people got the sniffles in there, to put it mildly. And yeah. then it leaked and it creaked and there was all this madness. And it was it was a zoo and it was a dump, but it was our dump. That's how I always describe it. Was, it. I yeah. tell people the same thing. I'm like, look, it was a dump. It, it was, was a dump. But it was yeah. our dump. It was our dump. Teams our hated dump. coming in there. The, yeah. the whole field advantage was very real. That mojo was very real. That, you know, 12th man, whatever you want to call it. So it, it's just such a special place. I always say the OB was one and Miami Stadium was two. But there was nothing. I don't think we'll ever have anything that, that will touch that, bro. Alex, did you ever catch a game at the OB? One time only. One, one oh, time. So did. Okay. One time. And obviously, like, you know, I, I didn't have, I guess – a full experience to go multiple times and experience all that what you guys are talking about yeah but yeah. like because and also growing up i was just strictly baseball and basketball i was, I was you know like gotcha. i was just never really into football my dad wasn't really into football he was a baseball basketball guy as well so he just kind of like just it was just an easy transfer i guess right. and, yeah. and then um but you know with friends i would go to dolphins games and then i went to you know oh. that, the one time at the orange bowl but for my friends and my family uh, members that are hurricanes fans and they and they win a lot they would say the same thing that it was a dump but it was our dump it would shake it would move you will feel the vibrations you'll feel the passion and the roar and the intensity of the crowd because like yeah. you mentioned that that it was a home field advantage advantage yeah, yeah it's the best way you could put it the, the distance from the sideline to the uh the stands was about 10 yards wow i had that conversation with yeah. schnellenberger once rest in peace and coach mm -hmm. was telling me and he wanted to replicate that for a new stadium and they couldn't get it done the gables didn't want it but he wanted it where the basketball arena is you know for the for the canes because yeah. the us one and the metro he wanted to build it's it right there. there yeah and to replicate that distance because you it was just that's what drove me crazy about joe robbie god bless him he built it and it was wonderful but the distance from the yeah. sidelines it just felt like you were so far off and elevated Whereas in the OB, you could almost reach out, you know, so yeah. it, it was, yeah, it was intensity and intimacy and just everybody in there on top of each other, man. Breathing the pureness, out. as you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. yeah. I got, I got to make an, I got to make an adjustment though, to, to where you were saying, you said it was the OB, then Miami stadium. I'm going to put, I'm going to have to make a little adjustment. I'm going to have to say the OB at night Ooh. was the oh, best yeah. because yeah. there's, there was a difference thing. There was a difference yes. there. When yes. you went to, I, I got to go to a few Orange Bowl games. Um, I was there when Adrian James ran for two ninety nine against UCLA. Um, I went. I didn't early earlier day, games. I don't remember. I think I went to some in like the eighties when I was a little kid because, like I said, I lived right next to the stadium. People come park nearby the house and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I I did have that. I was exposed to that stuff. But the best OB memory I have, I got to catch them, and I was old enough to appreciate it. Was the last good run that they had, you know, in the two, in the early 2000s. You know what I mean? Yes. 
So I went to a game in the middle of their 30-something game win streak in 2001, I believe it was. Okay. Um, it was a Thursday night game against Pittsburgh. Oof. Ken Dorsey, you had Ken Dorsey, McGahey, you had the whole squad, and Pittsburgh had a young receiver um, uh, named Larry Fitzgerald playing on that team. So it was a Thursday night game on ESPN, and I remember we parked like, man, I don't know how many blocks – away down 7th street <laughs> like at someone's mm-hmm. house of course but you walked as we're walking down 7th man like there was just this buzz that i've only felt a few times in sports you know and you're walking there and the closer you get to the stadium the more you can hear the band playing and as you're getting there you see everybody's all jacked up now there's a bunch of like you know obviously we're a bunch of drunk college students and everything but Definitely. still as a sports fan you're like oh man this is big it's like there was an excitement, and then you get to the game, and we were sitting up in upper deck above the student section, um, and man, yeah, it was it was just it was a dump, but man, that place was rocking. You could feel it shake, and then we snuck down into the student section underneath, and that's where you could really see how bad the stadium was because yes. they start stomping on the ground on the on the upper deck, and like pieces of like rust and the ceiling are falling down on you. And yes. I'm like, bro, are we going to die? I don't know, but yeah. okay, let's go, you know? Yeah. And it was a night game. The The Canes were down for a little bit early on in the game. It was the first time during that run-up that they were down, and they came back, turned it on, and that place, I'm telling you, it's one of the best sports, like, feelings I've ever had because of just how, what it meant. Like, I, that to me was like, oh, this is what everybody was talking about, and we haven't had it since, you know? No, no, no. You can't replicate it. You, there's yeah. no way, it, it, like you said, especially under the lights, yeah. There's something about those games, whether it was Dolphins were cool, and especially a Jets game or something like that, but Canes yeah. and under the lights, man, it, it really was, you know, it was crazy. Like yeah. that Dolphins-Bears game in 85 when they, the one loss that they got, Monday Night Football. Yep. It, it was it was insanity. The referees are like asking Shula to ask 80,000 people to be quiet <laughs> because the Bears can't get the playoff. And Shula is looking at him like, yeah, you you tell all these people. Good luck. Right. Good luck. <laughs> right. It, it's not going to happen because, it, dude, it, it was insanity. And at night, yeah, it was I don't I don't know what could match that. It, it was as crazy as anything. I think in sports, that environment was just bananas, bro. Yeah, man. And, you know, um, why do you think there was a lot of, I want to say hate, but I guess a lot of, I guess, backlash for the teardown? Like, like, that, like this is ours. Why, why tear it down? Like, this is yeah. like, like, this is a huge monument. It's a monument. It, it really it what it was. It was a living, breathing monument. It's a living, breathing museum in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, I saw renderings of what they wanted to do in 83 to 45 and, uh, you know, it would have looked different and modernized. They would have had sweets to it, whatever, but it still would have been there on 17th. It still would be the Orange Bowl, mm-hmm. you know, the field, the turf where these guys played. And it just never happened. And it's almost like the city dared Joe Robbie, like, oh, yeah, you're going to privately fund your stadium, huh? And he was like, yeah, hold my beer. Yeah. You know? And the dude <laughs> did it. I mean, he sold sweets and he got all this money together and he did it. And, you know, people were left with just the canes. And then when it got torn down in 2008, it was it was personal for a lot of people because they realized the history going back to 1937. Wow, you know, a long time. Burdine Stadium was Burdine, the original. Yeah, Burdine Stadium. You know, I know it's funny they called it also Miami Stadium. I have clippings of it. It was referred to as Miami Stadium, then oh, Roddy wow. Burdine, and some people were calling it the Orange Bowl even back then before it finally officially became the OB in the late 40s. 
So yeah, going back to Burdine, you got this insane history and people were aware of it and they experienced a lot of first there. And it was like our house, like Edwin said, our dump. And a lot of people still haven't gone over. I know people that won't go into Marlins Park. Right. Yeah. Like Curse of the Orange Bowl and yeah. going in there, man, like straight up. So it's deep. Alex, Alex, the stadium never even had a, a uh, video replay screen. No. <laughs> What? I don't think you know that. Like, no, no like if, it, they don't. They didn't have a, a a replay screen. Nothing. It was just like the old school little lights that would turn into yeah. a graphic. That's it. So whenever there was a play on the field, you never watched an instant replay because you never no. knew what happened. You oh better be paying God. attention because if not, you literally be like, "What happened?" You couldn't go to the bathroom. You had to. You're, oh, yeah. you're trying to get over some guy who just puked. Exactly. <laughs> because, I swear to God that happened numerous <laughs> times, dude. And you, you never seen people, human beings, move so fast as when that one guy just like, upchucks, oh. <laughs> and everybody just women are screaming and guys are way. I, I this happened in the student section. On God, bro, I saw that multiple times because yeah. people were going hard. Even for noon games, they're out there tailgating at eight mm-hmm. nine a.m. Yeah. So they're lit by the time they let us in at 10, 30, 11. They've been out since Friday night before, too. They've been out they already started <laughs> earlier in the week, and that yeah. heat starts coming down on you. And next thing you know, you hear that sound, and you know what that sound is, and you're like, Paco Red. Yeah, <laughs> everyone back away. Back everyone away. back away, dude. So, yeah, it, it was, oh, my God, there was, there was nothing like it. You couldn't replicate that, man. Well, and so we're, we're talking about the, you know, the fan engagement, the electricity, the passion that they bring – in sports, let's get into more of, you know, music and, and pop culture and, and things like that in the past in Miami. Now, we mentioned some bands that, that performed here in Miami Stadium. Um, do, so do you think, obviously, Miami is a huge, you know, um, global, I guess, t- city for artists to come today. Yeah, but back yeah. then, back then, in the, I mean, the 60s, the 50s and the 70s, during that time, um, what, what was attractive for all these celebrities and all these um, artists that come to Miami and perform? I think just Miami. Yeah. In the South, you know, they're like, they probably, most of them have never been. And, you know, they're like sunshine and pretty girls, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, pina coladas and all that. Yeah. All those visions. Exactly. <laughs> and quite a few of them were actually uh, recording at the legendary criteria studios. That's still there in North Miami. Like a lot of people don't know hotel California was recorded in no. North Miami. No, yeah. I did not know that. In Studio yeah. C at Criteria, a bunch wow. of records were done there. So these guys have come down, clapped in. Layla was recorded there. And, you know, they're hanging out and they're like, hey, this is pretty nice down here, dude. They rent a you know house somewhere and the Grove had the nightlife. That was the nightlife back in the day was the Grove. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. out a little bit. So they go to Criteria, do their thing, maybe play a show and then hang out at the Mutiny Hotel, you know, and hang out in the Grove and, yep. and party, man. And, party. and so... Yeah, they, we had everything for him. Everything was open late even back then. I totally forgot about the Criteria Studios, man. Like, I'm yeah. telling you, bro, we have such a rich history in this city, Insane. man. Yeah, and nobody dude. knows about it. Nobody no. knows about it. Like, he just named a couple. No big deal. Layla, you know, Hotel California. That's just, you know, tip of the yeah. iceberg. There's BGs, tons of other stuff. These, yeah. yeah, coming up to now, it's a lot of hip-hop, obviously, pays the bill. So, you know, everybody from Wayne and Timbaland to Jay-Z have mm-hmm. cut albums at Criteria, dude unbelievable man it's unbelievable yeah that is really really cool um abel i i want to ask you though since we're talking about the music thing here you went to some shows back at miami stadium i'm sure which one uh what stands yeah. out what was one of your favorite shows Dude, maybe not the best show of all time but for you you had a good time where 
I was just coming up like as, as a jit, like, and I caught, I remember there's a crazy, a uh, two live crew. Wow. Played wow. Stadium. Two live crew played. I missed the beastie boys there. Oh. I caught them in the early nineties at the cameo theater on the beach. So yeah, least, you, I remember know, when you shared that video and yeah, I just wanted I'm to I'm somewhere down amongst <laughs> the 900 or so people on that floor. My little 18, 19 year old self there oh, man. at the cameo. Show, dude. dude. Yeah, no, no. They, we had some great shows. I caught that one. And then after that, really, for shows for me, were, my first big show was the Orange Bowl. Okay. Monsters of Rock, 1988, June, as a matter of fact, 88. It oh. was uh, Kingdom Come, total like heavy metal rock shows. Kingdom Come, The Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica, and Van Halen. Wow. Nice. All together. Yes, all nice. at once. Before well, Ozfest, there yeah. was Monsters of Rock, dude. Who so were you that, there to see, though? Which one were you excited about? Oh, Metallica and VH. Yeah. Those yeah. were the two. I mean, of course, Eddie Van Halen anywhere is is, is worth yeah. the price and, and the band. And then Metallica was still in black, long hair coming yeah. up. I saw Metallica at the OB in, I think, 99. They did a, a, a show there. Yes. And uh, I was there for that one. It's the only time I've seen Metallica. I would love to see them again. But damn, you saw them and you saw Prime Metallica. I, I saw, saw just recently haircut, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, '90s metallic, which is still good, though. You know, still great. Yeah, evolved. You know, but wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I caught those, man. From there, it was on to the arena. That's where a lot of the shows then became the the old Pink Elephant. Rest in peace. Was yeah. a lot of shows at the Miami Arena downtown. Miami Arena now is uh, is that where the Bright Line is now? I believe. Yeah, that station right there by the tracks. Wow. Yep. Mm. See, so, yeah, man, dude, that's uh, and another another venue. Another. And you know, but like you know, obviously the heat started there. But the Flor were the Floridians were they? Did they? Where did they play? That was actually they played at the old Dinner Key Auditorium in oh, Coconut really? Grove. Okay, yeah. which was torn down, which is also where the infamous Doors concert was. Before oh, okay. he uh, yes, urinated yes. or whatever he did on supposedly, stage. Supposedly, supposedly, uh, Mr. Morrison whipped it out. Supposedly, yeah. there's no <laughs> there's photos of the show. There's no photos of that. He was intoxicated as hell, dude. He came, he just lit, and everything just went nuts. It turned into like a borderline riot, and that was wow. in, in the Grove. So that's where the Floridians actually played. It was like an airplane hangar, dude. There was no AC in that building. Yeah, 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 yeah. Miami Arena was only around for, I think it was like constructed right before the Heat started playing there, right? Yeah, it was, it was 88, and the Heat started there. The Canes balled out, and then the Panthers came. Yeah. And then but the, the, heat, heat, the Heat left yeah. in 2000. They, that's when they moved to the AAA. So it was only right around there. for like a, you know 12 years there. Give or take. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it didn't have. It was finally torn down around 07, 08 as well. But it, you know, it didn't have. But it was a lot of firsts for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. That's the you thing. In that short time, yeah, a lot of a lot of first concerts, first time they saw an NBA game or a Canes game or whatever was. The first time I saw Limp Biscuit, you know, how about that? That's a you know embarrassing omission there, but that was a good time, man. <laughs> hey, they were big back in the late nineties. Hey, the boys from Jacksonville were. Ninety nine was a good year, man. Metallica, Limp Biscuit. I got to see a couple of good shows there, you know, down here. So, <laughs> so good times, man. You and Linsky talked about um, um, Woodstock before Woodstock. And yes. Miami was, I guess, the drew like drew the inspiration for that. Can you talk about that a bit? You know, like especially for all, all our Woodstock fans. Yeah, the, the the seeds for Woodstock were planted down here. The the founder, uh, Mike, just passed away recently, and uh, rest in peace. It was the Miami Pop Festival, and it yeah. was up at, at Gulfstream or whatever at the, yep. at the racetrack, mm -hmm. and they brought in everybody from Frank Zappa to Jimi Hendrix. Oh. 
dude, no, d- disgusting, three days. And so this guy, you know, como dice, se le prendió un bombillo, and he was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm going to replicate this in New York. And wow. they did it like a year or so later. He basically took the Miami Pop Festival and moved it up to upstate New York. See, I had heard about the Pop Festival, and I, d- I didn't know that, like, Jimmy had played at Gulfstream, which is crazy, you know, to, right? to say that sentence out loud. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know the the connection to, to Woodstock. Cause I actually recently watched um, the HBO. Um, HBO had a documentary about Woodstock. Um, I think it was 90, the 94 Woodstock and, like, the whole right. debacle that that was. <laughs> and, or, no, I'm sorry. It was the 99 Woodstock, the, the 99, whole debacle of that one. Right. But then they were talking about how, you know, the predecessor 94 and then in 69 – and they were talking about it, but I didn't. I don't remember hearing any mention of you know the connection to to Miami. So no, that's... they never. They never. That gets kind of glossed over, just like people don't realize the Brooklyn Dodgers were down here from 1950 to 1958. They only know Vero Beach, yeah. and, but they used to bring them down here because they didn't have a stadium. Well, yeah. thanks to so... your account, I I found that out because I thought it was Vero Beach. I've been I've been I've been there. I played there. I was like, okay, well, this is where it happened. So Which thanks is to where your it account, was, yeah. but. Like they say that dot, 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 they mm-hmm. didn't have anything. They didn't have a park. And even when they got one, you know, it was like a grandstand. Holman yeah. Stadium was very rudimentary, very bare bones. Miami Stadium was architectural gem, man. You know, cantilever mm-hmm. roof and lights that were based off Yankee Stadium. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, you know, when the commissioner of Major League Baseball says he doesn't know of any finer ballpark anywhere. Wow. Which was Happy Chandler back then on opening yeah. night. When he drops that, I put that quote on the marker. It tells you just how much of an architect and how ahead of its time. So the Dodgers, yeah, used to come down here and people don't know that. Those are yeah, all dude. these things that people have no, no clue, bro. Jackie <laughs> Robinson, Hank Aaron, all those guys, man, just all, all out bands. there, dude. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac, you know, just, and yeah. I don't know. I honest, I'm honest with, I'm be honest with you, Abel. I did not know any of this in terms <laughs> of like more of the musical side of this, yeah. of Miami. Because you know, I, you know, in terms of I guess want to get more current with it, everyone associates Miami with Ultra and you know those type of you know, festivals. Right. Right. But but Miami has been, I guess, a destination for the best of the best oh. for such a long, long, long time. For a long time, dude. The Hollywood Sportatorium, another one. The 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 Sporto, aka the Smokatorium, aka the Snortatorium, <laughs> aka the Snorto. AKA the Sporto, which was another shed with no air conditioning that they built to try to attract a hockey team. And when that failed, what do we do? Well, it's got a roof, start sticking bands in there. Yeah. Well, here comes Led Zeppelin. Here comes Elvis Presley. Here comes all these bands, biggest bands in the world playing in Pines Boulevard out there in the middle of the boondocks, which is now a Sedanos. (laughs) I think, I think, I think my uncle said he saw Earth, Wind, and Fire perform there, or I could be mistaken. Everybody played there. Springsteen, Billy Joel, all these like monster bands played there, dude. Unbelievable, dude. Yeah. Hey, well, let me ask you: when you in your, um, as long as you've been doing the uh, Miami Stadium account and you've been researching and trying to find stuff, what's what's some of like the stuff that sticks out that just even surprised you that you that you've already been knowing of the history, whether it was a sporting thing or it was a something in the music or what, what, what surprised you in your research? That's, that's a good question. I'll tell you right now, the, the Tatum park shit that I found, which was the first, well, Royal Palm park in downtown, mm-hmm. which is right by where the station is right in front of Bayfront, where yeah. the first, uh, the New York giants came down with Christy Mathewson, dude, in 1911 wow. on their way to Cuba. And this wow. try to try to fathom this happening. Now I tried to, do the equivalent would be like the national league champion Dodgers coming down here and playing a friendly 
against you, me, and Alex and a bunch of guys we round up. <laughs> and Clayton Kershaw's pitching. All right, I'm playing first base. I was <laughs> just yeah. <got> dibs. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'll be out there in right field somewhere, like, you know, praying that that happened in 1911. Wow. They played two games against a local team, which would never in this no. day and age ever happen. That freaked me out. Tatum Park, which is a first base parking garage where Connie Mack and Jimmy Fox and Ruth and all that. Yeah. That tripped me out. And Dorsey Park that you alluded to earlier, finding out that Josh Gibson played down here, dude. Oh. I have box scores of Josh Gibson hit a home run in overtown. Yeah. That that definitely kind of blows your mind a bit. Oh man. Let's talk about um to like one of the final topics, I guess, for for this episode. But um Let's talk about Dorsey Park a bit. I know Edwin wanted to talk, like, mention that earlier. Okay, let's like for me, for fans like me who don't are not really familiar or never even heard of Dorsey Park before, you're you know following you and your account. Can you can you explain the history behind that um, that venue? Dude, it was it was a lot of land donated by Dana Dorsey, the first black millionaire down okay. here, rest in peace. And he they turned into a park and they put this little uh, infield, and in the early twenties, and there was a local black team called the Miami Giants. Okay. That eventually morphed by 1935-36 into the Miami Ethiopian clowns that would put on the war paint and go out there in clown suits. Yeah. But, you know, when the game started, the clowning was over because yeah. those dudes could ball. And that's where you get the Homestead Grays and all these teams would come down here and play. Then they would take it out on the road. Dorsey Park was the home field from the early 20s into the 50s. And the clowns moved on to Indianapolis. Eventually, they became the Indianapolis clowns. Yeah. But all these guys, Oscar Charleston, Josh Gibson, Satchel, you know, legendary Negro League legends, Hall of Famers, you know, Mule Suttles, like these real hardcore names, they would come down to Overtown and they would play. And eventually they would bring portable lights and have night games. Wow. Yeah. And that's right there at Overtown off 17th and 1st. Man, that infield is exactly where it was 100 years ago in the same spot. Wow. That's incredible. Yes. That's yeah. so awesome. I saw you recently did a, a thing on, was it NBC6 or one of oh. the local TV channels where you were talking about it um, and you were, you know, giving a little history on it. And it's it's incredible, man. Like the, the, I, I didn't know that it's part. Insane. I thought it maybe had been, you know, kind of like touched up over time, but I didn't know that it's the same infield in the same place. Same spot. There's the train tracks goes right by right field. So right field's like 220 feet. And then it kind of goes off. It's an awkward kind of, but... The infield is there, and you try to fathom back when there was no condos or no nothing in the 20s and 30s and 40s, and these teams coming down on buses and Cadillacs to play there. And I think, yeah, I did that segment with Hank Tester. You know, shout out to Hank, who's the OG. And he hit me up. He put out the feelers, and he's like, if you know anybody that knows anything about Dorsey, and somebody commented, you need to talk to Abe. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Which is really humbling that I'm like, oh, shit, okay, and Hank reached out. He's awesome. And we got together on a Saturday morning and knocked it out, man. It was great. Dude, you're the official oh, man. 305 baseball historian, bro. Like, that's <laughs> it. Like, yeah. you, you're you're I'm that guy. Story. Everybody's going to refer everyone to you when it comes to this, dude. Own it. You know, congratulations. <laughs> I'm telling you, your account is my favorite IG account because, like, um, every yeah, time I'm going to yeah, find yeah, something, something new. on my story from your account. Like, yeah, all the goodies. Just, they're so fun to see. The D-Trade, I think I posted one yesterday or today, the, 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 the Dontrell Willis one. Like, I obviously oh, know yeah. who Dontrell Willis is, but, like, it's just when I when I see it, I'm just like, oh, God. Like, that 87 top. I love Dontrell. He follows me. We talk every now and then. Dontrell's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, he is. D-Train's exactly what you see is what you get. So, yeah. shout out to Dontrell because he's, he's the man. 
No, for sure, for sure. Now, you said uh, Dontrell follows you. I know Mike Piazza follows you, Mickey Rorick. You, you've got quite Brother, the... I have people following me that have no business. I'm like, why? <laughs> Mickey Rourke? Well, he, he, he's oh, Mickey, connection. Mickey, Rourke. Let me tell yeah. you something about Mickey Rourke, and I'm glad you brought this up. Thank you, Edwin. Dude, yeah. that guy is low-key my biggest supporter. Wow. He grew up down here. He came down from Schenectady as a kid, and yeah. he went Box to Beach Okay. Yeah. He went to Beach High, and he played when Skip Bertman was there and these guys. And Mickey loves baseball. He played at Miami Stadium. Wow, I didn't know Eagles. that. They were a local youth league team, oh. and he played around. Andy Garcia and him knew each other. and they played. Oh, Mickey, Mickey still remember. I've had two-hour conversations with Mickey Rourke, and he remembers the names of everyone that he played against. Wow. He'll be That's like, awesome. what happened to Rogelio Dominguez? What happened to Eric Soderholm? What happened, whatever happened to Oscar Del Busto? And this... He hits me up one night and I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> he DM'd me and we got into this, I swear on God, into like a two-hour conversation. And we've been cool ever since. I talked to his That's assistant, amazing. Dima, the other day. Bro, I have Oliver Stone follows me. Why? Oh, dude. Oh, let's get out of here. Dude. Get out of here. Because <laughs> I posted something on the Mario boat lift on the 40th anniversary at Marty Park. Which wow. is now the basketball court where the tenth city, you know, Revenga and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Libertad, libertad. Libertad. Well, Oliver Stone, Piazza, his lovely wife Alicia, Manny Machado, Mickey uh -huh. Rourke. I'm like, what? I go, I'm doing something right because they don't have to follow nobody. Nah, man, we gotta get you verified though. You're That's hitting the hearts that. of a lot of people, a lot of like in terms of nostalgia, in terms of like family, friendship, just connections they've built, you know, over yeah. the years, and you're bringing that, I guess. You're, absolutely that root out you're bringing that out again of that of that connection that yeah, feeling that they absolutely. had when they first saw that photo or they first saw that concert or they were at that like oh, i remember that or you know memories are deep yeah memories yeah, are man. deep and you're and it's a beautiful and just a creative way of teaching because i think that's what you're doing at the end of the day with this account as well is you are yeah. informing and you are teaching with but and it's the right amount of how should i say this information because sometimes we get overloaded with stuff and oh yeah people there's no filter i always say you got to condense somehow everything i write this is funny is mm -hmm. it just comes out most of my little captions and i'm amazed yeah. people read because everybody sees the photos and you think mm -hmm. nobody reads it people go no i like the captions and it's condensed i go well it just comes out that way it, it just you know and it's just there marinating and they're usually first takes and i put it out there just enough to give people a taste because you don't want to write a novel on there, dude. I don't like to read all that stuff and people go on and they're bloviating. And at that point, it's more about you would just want to hear the sound of your own voice than, you know, kind of a thing. So I keep it short and sweet. Try to put a few few nuggets in there. Yeah. Somebody wrote me recently. It might be the best compliment I ever had. It was really sweet. They go, following your page should get you three credits at Miami-Dade. <laughs> nice and i go brother that might be the the best compliment ever right there that's that would, awesome it would dude. be an amazing an amazing course and i feel like it'll be an, uh, <laughs> it should be it should be mandatory to learn about the history oh, of your man. city because i agree yeah it's well, great uh, it, it, you're absolutely right and look man as somebody who's uh successfully failed at social media plenty of times <laughs> like you got it down dude you got oh, it down man. you have the right formula you know you're providing a an incredible service to people people are learning things my wife follows you she's she's oh, learning because she's also like a hardcore miami you know like yeah not a not a sports fan but just a miami fan like she loves the right. city and everything so we see that from your account i've gone on to follow a bunch of other stuff that i didn't know from either people commenting mm -hmm. and saying stuff or somebody that i saw shared your thing that i did that wasn't coming from you i was like oh wait 
where'd you get that and they're like oh from this person and this person so you're 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 doing a great job dude okay. you know you've dude, got it down like... man keep it going but i like you've been this type of person though like collecting all this information and everything but I got before we be I mean, I'm pretty sure running out of time here and everything, but I want to know, man, like, dude, when did you decide like this is something I want to do? Like, because one thing is like, you know, all this stuff and then it's like, all right, I've I've gathered all this knowledge and then I'm going to do the extra work Mm -hmm. of finding the uh, the material for you to share with you. Because one thing is like, yo, I know I know this guy did this and I know this guy did that and I can tell you about it. But to go that extra step, you know, I see you go through the Wolfson archives and post videos from there. You oh, know. yeah. History Miami. They know me. All these guys, they're lovely. The, so, the dude, library. and Exactly, dude. You've really hit up every resource possible here. So, like, but what was it someone that, like, pushed you to do this? Did this come from your own well-being? Or... Okay, like most things in life, there was no plan whatsoever. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's literally fly by the dude. I swear to God, there's I just kind of what you said more or less have my formula. I try to yeah. drop a couple times a day, maybe a couple stories. People like that kind of engagement, put some yeah. music on there. It was Thanksgiving of 2016. I was with the Marlins. It's Thanksgiving weekend, bored, looking up Miami Stadium stuff, couldn't find it. Check to see if anybody had that handle, and they didn't. Wow. And I grabbed it. And I posted some things and from MS just started posting. People start following. I go, oh, shit, 50 people, 100, becomes 500, become then local people, a couple athletes. And, you know, my boy Juice, you know, Hugo from the Marlins yep. starts telling me how much he loves the page. I'm like, oh, OK, people are paying attention. Keep growing. And all this stuff. And I told John this, Linsky, all this is on my computer here on my laptop for me to geek <laughs> out. to. If social media didn't <laughs> exist and I didn't have you gentlemen to talk to and so forth, I would just be geeking out to this shit, yeah. okay? And, you know, it would all be in the vault. Maybe i show it to friends. Hey, remember this, remember that. Yeah, so yeah. That. And the research never ends because I'm just a curious person by nature. Gotcha. It was all random. None of it was planned. I didn't think I'd, you know, wake up six years later and have be doing merch and have Mickey Rourke writing me and you guys talking to me and people telling me, pushing me, keep going, keep going. Yeah, dude. And, and I've been after you for a while, man. I've been I've been yes, dropping yeah. a little message like, hey, bro, come on, hang out. Let's no, do a Edwin, show. Edwin is he's amazing because he hit me up. He's the first one to hit me up. And then I did the John and, and you know, Linsky, which I was blown away because, you know, they, they had like Jorge Moss and different people at Columbus Connects. And then he yeah. does these shows. And in the middle of all this, there's me talking baseball and bullshit online <laughs> and shit, like we say. But people enjoy it. Like, all right. And then I thought, if I do, the next one I do is going to be with Edwin. Awesome, man. Because this has to happen because I feel okay after six years and we got the merch and everything. It feels legit. Yeah, you know, man. I'm incorporated. I pay taxes. <laughs> you know, like, at least on this, on the side hustle. But it's a legitimate business. So we yeah. got to do it right aside from the main gig. And that's why I said the very next podcast I'm going to do is going to be with you guys. Awesome, man. And we awesome. appreciate that. We really do. And so rounding off this lovely, uh, uh, just, oh my God, I wanted to stand. Like, there's, there's so much. <laughs> we'll, do we'll do a part two. We'll do a part two. We definitely do oh, a part anytime. two. Part we definitely do a part two. But Abel, we know how it started, how Miami Stadium started so, six years ago in 2016. But tell yes. us and, and everyone listening, what are you working on right now? That's always the question, right? What's what's next? I just dropped the pre-sale last week. Couple new mm-hmm. flavors of the Orange Bowl shirt. Everybody went crazy with the ten dollar no block abuelo and and the rooster gallito and all yeah, that. Yeah, I got the, I got that shirt and I got the hat and I got the print behind your head. Oh yeah, you, you're one of the you're a real one, dude. This guy support. I'm taking his money left and right. <laughs> piggy bank, Edwin's piggy bank. He's coming, man. Like 
you know, it, it's amazing. We just presented a shirt to Cristobal before Kane's baseball game a That's couple amazing, weeks ago. Man. And I went to Columbus with Mario. So you talk about full circle, bro, to be standing there taking a picture with that Orange Bowl shirt with Mario Cristobal, who's the head coach of the Hurricanes. That greatest co-sign ever. So I got those shirts. I did the logo. And just other than that, continuing, I'm working on gems with Cushy gigs. You know, shout out to Cushy because the mm-hmm. vision and designs and concepts are mine, but I can barely sketch. So they're the ones that bring all that lovely stuff to life. Miami Quake, Alex, Jerry Morris, the illustrator is brilliant. Mikey, who's one half of Crook Chrome, the infamous mm-hmm. graffiti duo, does my shirts. Don Shula on the gram. And those are my boys, man. So I'm just wow. working on it with them and just continuing to drop gems. I always say my page is like a cultural bodega. We got a little bit of everything. That's beautiful, man. That's a That's perfect it, way to describe it. I like that. That better be on the profile after this. <laughs> cultural bodega. That's what you got to put on there, man. It is a cultural bodega, gentlemen. Yeah, well, and I like the 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 that's the new the the new shirt you got on there, right? Yeah, the, I was mentioned that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that. the logo. You got said you were gonna owl. tell me the little story about the owl. That's the and we'll, we'll finish off with that. I gotta hear a little story with a little white owl there. The mm-hmm. Panatella little buddy over here, who I found out back in the sixties and seventies, resided on. And white owls aren't native to Florida, so nobody knows where the little buddy came from. But the owl, they used to get a lot of birds in general because that cantilevered roof. Yeah. And then it just showed up one day and they named it Panatella, which is white bread. And so when I said, we got to do a logo, you know, 4901, because it was 1949, 2001, made in Alapata, which we have on our size tags. But he yeah. said, we got to bring made in Alapata to the forefront because we make it in Alapata, literally yeah. right around where the stadium was. We said, let's put the owl on there. That's an awesome touch, man. That's Thank really, you, really brother. cool. So, yeah, um, we're glad that you're, you know, doing all these um shoots and all these collaborations you know with all the uh, with other um local photographers i saw that you know you have supporters modeling clothes for you and you have people like this photo- like like this, this Incredible. how does that make you feel when people are like oh let me help you out with, with a shoot or let's work together let's collab let's let's do this you know what well, kind of like what we're doing right now in a sense but, exactly you know, like how does that how, do, how does that make you feel that feel that from 2016 and you know fast forward six years later and you're having all of this come you know like flourishing in a way it, 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 you find out who the real ones are, man. You know, my boy Fabian at Esquina de Abuela, also in Alapata. I said, we got to do a shoot. Boy Paul, boy Marquez. Uh, you know, we all got together, Alejandra. And these are people who support me. Yeah. They're local artists. And I said, I want real people to model the drip. Let's go to Esquina de Abuela in Alapata. Mm-hmm. Hooked up with Paul, terrific local photographer. And we said, let's do a couple hours there. Fabian's like, come on down. Mi casa, su casa. The wow. photos came out great. The collection never looked better. It just, it, it brings legitimacy to it. And it, you just, you keep growing, man. I always just keep trying to do better in every design, try to keep it real. You know, I don't follow trends for shit. I'm in my lane. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody. I got the blinders up. I got kind of what I'm doing and I stick to that. I just want to do me and, you know, I love everybody else and shout out to everybody that's doing their thing. And I just hope I can keep dropping gems that people feel, man. Yeah, man. Well, keep sticking to that formula. Keep those blinders on, man, dude, because you're creating really cool stuff that's got Thank everybody you. excited, everybody talking about it, and everybody looking forward to the next one. So that's it, like man. One by one by one, brother. I appreciate it. All right. So that's gonna wrap things up here for episode four of First Pitch 305. Like I, I said, I want to say I, there's gonna be a part two, guys. There's gonna be a part two <laughs> of this because anytime because the the amount of history that this city has that we didn't even like touch yet probably oh yeah, you know, yeah, the surface. It, yeah. it only scratched the surface with what you know 
what Abel knows and what we can talk about. We can I can talk about baseball. We can go year by um, year. We can do like a 1980 yeah. show, yeah, an 81 yeah. show, the, the decade by decades and stuff like. <laughs> of, you yes. know, I, I'll love to do something like that. You know, Abel. Once again, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on. Bud. I've learned just 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 in the last hour and a half alone. I've learned so much just by talking to you. Like, <laughs> well, it, doesn't even, like it doesn't even feel like an hour and a half. Man. No, it doesn't. No, it, it, it that's always when it's good. It just flows, man. I can't believe we just knocked out you know, 90 minutes, yeah. right off, straight off the dome too. No, yeah, no, yeah, prep, yeah. no rehearsal, just, <laughs> you know, bing bong, like they say. And you guys are awesome, man. I'm so happy to do this because like I said, I've been waiting. My man, Edwin here has been hitting me up. And after <laughs> Litsky, I was like, the next one, I go, you're on deck, brother. So I'm All a right. man of my word. There you go. And hopefully awesome. we hit it out of the park. And I feel like we did. We appreciate you guys listening to the show. We'll be back next week for another, another episode. And Abel, for just rounding things off, adelante. Adelante, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Edwin. Hey, take care, guys. Appreciate it.